0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get with rhetorical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates to pay control. troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Succinize and brutalize and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get.
0: Thanks again to everyone for the recent feedback that we've received. There have been some great ideas on ways to improve the show. uh, And uh, we'll be trying to do as much as we can. If you have more feedback, definitely please let us know. And again, I'm going to ask folks to review the podcast and to also share it with others. Uh, I know that I keep saying this, but we actually do see an impact when people do this. So I'm going to occasionally remind everyone to please review us online wherever you can, iTunes or wherever else, and also to share the show with others uh, to get them listening to it as well. Now, as for today's show, we're going to talk about an idea that's been around for many, many years, but has long been one of those ideas that was 10 years away and always will be, or at least it's felt that way. And that's the idea of mass customization. The idea, in case you're unfamiliar with it, is that the 20th century really was built around the industrial revolution, and with it, the idea of mass production, the idea of small batch or or custom production became something of a relic or something that was promoted as artisanal in order to to boost its price, but was never a very big industry. Instead, the industrial revolution was really all about giant factories and somewhat forced consensus on products. Mass production made things much, much cheaper, but also meant conformity uh, in a lot of different ways. Products were identical. Uh, which they needed to be to uh, to make the economies of scale work. You could set up a factory line to punch out millions of identical items, produce them for very low cost, and send them basically anywhere in the world. And for many of us, it's the story of our own lives surrounded by items that were mass-produced. But starting somewhat early in the Internet age, people began discussing the idea of mass customization. And that is, could... The digital and internet revolutions create a sort of of best-of-both-world scenario, where we could still get the economies of scale of mass production, but the benefits and customization of more individual and customized craft work. There have been some attempts at this over the years, but none have really caught on. However, it's possible that we may finally be reaching a tipping point. The rise of things like 3D printing certainly has enabled at least some level of customization on making physical goods, but we're seeing many more areas beyond that where mass customization seems possible. In the clothing space, for example, I've seen more and more companies pop up that will offer tailored or customized clothing for prices that are really not that unlike mass produced clothing, often using internet tools to let you design what you want and then pricing things accordingly. So for today's podcast with our usual co-hosts Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy, I wanted to discuss whether or not mass customization has finally reached a level of maturity, or if it's soon about to. So uh, Hirsch suggested this topic, but I'm actually going to start with Dennis. And that's because I know he's been somewhat obsessed with this idea for ages. In fact, Uh, I looked, and going all the way back to August of 2000, yes, (laughs) 2000, uh, Dennis wrote on TechDirt about the online site Customatics, uh, which was one of the first attempts, I think, at mass customization in that case of shoes. So, Dennis, I have to ask, uh, how are your Customatics shoes doing today?
1: Um, So, funnily enough, I still have that pair of Customatics shoes that I custom made, what 17 years ago. Um, <laughs> what, what,
0: what, what what was the customization? What did you make?
1: Uh, so basically I made, it was a pair of sneakers that were red patent leather <laughs> with uh, with kind of bright silver accents and it had like two inch thick like, uh, you know, soles. So it was kind of like platforming. It was basically like clubbing shoes. Um, <laughs> and I had never seen anything. I mean, you know, I was able to design them at the customatics site and I'd never seen anything like them. Um, and I used to always get like mad compliments at the clubs and stuff when I wear them.
0: (laughs) Mad compliments. Okay. Uh, So,
1: and you were, and you were able and, and customatics, you know, this is like, you know, circa 2000, right? So, um, it was a website and you were able to customize like every single panel of the shoe with material and color. And you were also able to, write uh, like text on so I had like I, th- I think the the left shoe said left and the right shoe said right on it just so <laughs> I didn't know what else to write on there um, I think I, I made I made another pair where the left one said Dennis and the right one said Sind which is Dennis backwards right um, and that was a pretty cool pair um, <laughs> and that one had like these translucent soles that you could then upload a graphic that you could see through the bottom bottom of of, of the shoe, which is pretty awesome.
0: Right. I get it. Um, I get it. So, I mean, the thing is, uh, I mean, even just listening to this, like my reaction is, you know, the fact that you had one shoe that said left and one shoe that said right, almost to me demonstrates the the kind of, not problem, but but reason why mass customization sometimes can be overhyped, which is when you get to this point where you can design every panel and every piece of the shoe, it's like you have, like, too many choices, right? You have this infinite level of custom customizability, and and most people have no idea right. what they want, and and it gets to the point where you have such little idea, even though you wanted to do this. that The only thing you could think to put on the shoe was left and right.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, like, so I I loved, you know, like I loved customizing my shoes, and I and I love this whole concept of mass customization, as you pointed out in like you know the early two thousands. I. I also ordered like I think there was some startup, this is like first wave internet startup, of course, um, that customized like shampoo and conditioner. and I remember ordering that um, and what, I, I me- what,
0: what kind of customizations were there?
1: Uh, it was like what fragrances do you like? Uh, you know do you have like oily hair or dry hair? Uh, do you have color in your hair or and then my favorite was the 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 shampoo uh, customizer they said how much do you typically spend on shampoo and then magically it would cost that much. So
0: <laughs> That doesn't sound so much like customization, that just sounds like a scam. Yeah.
1: It's it's a custom price.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but
1: but if, but you know, like maybe if if I was accustomed to spending more, that they would use like more expensive ingredients, or, or they just tell know. you that or they, they, they spend
0: yeah. they spend the cheapest ingredients that's possible right. and and just get bigger margin,
1: right? But every question up until that point, I thought was really valid, right? Like I think you know, customizing for oily or dry hair, or if you have like if you have curly well, hair but, or straight but, but, hair, or you know, I that's mean, totally you... fair. But do you I,
0: I, believe that they would even, that that, yeah. that was real? they
1: probably make no change. No, I think so. No, I mean, uh, like, there are definitely, sh- like, shampoo, like, the shampoo, at, at Bed Bath & Beyond, you can go, like, wander the shampoo aisle and see how many different right. shampoos there are, and it's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, like, fragrance, between fragrance, uh, you know, and whatever the chemicals they put in there to accommodate curly versus straight hair, or color. I, I mean, yes, hair. yes, That's yes. Really true, the, yeah. they, There's a lot of variations. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. They have all that, but I, I, I kind of wonder how how realistic that is, and and certainly the incentives for those companies is is, is Sure, to make to
1: make more, like yeah. variations, right?
0: Well, no, my, I was just going in the other direction. I was saying that the incentive... Oh, just, just, are for, just for, a label? For, for, yeah, for the company to say that they're doing something different and give you the same thing and nobody's so nobody's going gonna to take it to a lab and yeah. test it. Well,
2: <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing about looking at customization now versus uh, in the year 2000 is I think there's, uh-huh. like a, there's a couple of different trends uh, that have really accelerated since then, right? Like when people think of customization... A lot of times they're thinking of things like the shampoo or shoe customization, yeah. where there's where there's one company, and maybe it's things like uh, advances in automation that allow you to customize a whole bunch of shoes. Whereas you know, yeah. uh, perhaps in the past you had right. to do or if it's like a just
1: or just in time thing, where they're not like making mm-hmm. you know ten thousand of these shoes and then so that stop was a,
2: them in, right? right. So that was the kind of customization in the past. But I actually think there's. There's several other trends that are worth looking at uh, that also drive customization. And one is the connection of in like the two-sided marketplace of makers and consumers of places like Etsy and eBay, etc., yep. where people that make very uh, that have very small uh, workshops can really connect with the specific consumers that want those goods that they yeah. can make custom goods for. So it's not just that you might you might get something bespoke, but it's actually made by an expert. It's not something that you put much input into other than to express your preferences, and then the art. Artisan themselves, who is an expert at putting these things together, will actually put it together for you. And so there's a there's a, there's a huge mushrooming of like small artisans that do that. They make custom bags, yeah. custom wallets, yeah, custom. I, I
1: don't. I mean, I don't necessarily think. Like, sure, I, I agree with you that there's definitely a huge trend in terms of bespoke, and the internet has connected a lot of artisanal makers with customers that want like kind of higher end bespoke products, right? Um, but the thing is, like, the mass customization side is almost. You get the best of both worlds, where you can do this at scale, right? Like if you if you talk to any like one of these Etsy shops and you try to place an order for twenty thousand pieces, like they're not going to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, so that so that was going to be my third point, right? So we we so we have those two things, right? We have the artisans, then we have this advances in automation, and there's right. actually a third thing, which is actually advances in something uh, that a lot of people don't have visibility into, which is advances into the kinds of software tracking and logistics that allow even a heavily manual and labor-intensive process to be customized per customer because essentially each worker on the assembly line has a screen that tells them exactly what needs to be done for this next coming order yeah even when they work on a on a assembly line so it's not so much automation as just advances in tying together the front end ordering with the factory floor software that drives the step by step manufacturing process so those three advances together are i think what is leading or will lead in the in the short term to kind of a blossoming of
1: of of customization yeah I and I mean, like, and we i think we do have like mass customization feels like it is upon us and has been here for a while, right? Like, I mean, Dell computers back in the 90s customized every single PC to everyone's order, right. you know, like, like yep, yep. that's been around forever.
2: Yep, yep. And, I, and I think that's only expanding, and I think in the past, like if you would look at, at Dell's uh, factory floor, a lot of the software that you would have seen on Dell's assembly line was probably something that Dell and its specific consultants put together for Dell, right? And right. then but now you can actually go and you can find almost off-the-shelf uh, combinations of a front-end shop uh, software, like you know, to run a web portal, and then on the back end, sort of uh, ability to take that order information and, and sort of split it up into specifically what uh, what tasks need to be done on each station on an, on a factory floor. Like you can almost put that together, like. Uh, like Legos, like that kind of software yeah. is now out there, and there's and there's vendors out there. So it really, it if you are somebody who has capital and is starting a factory, you don't necessarily need to go find a uh, a you know a a a crack team to put this together for you. You might actually be able to just put it together off the shelf, and I think that's driving customization as well.
1: Right, and I I mean I'd also point out like even in like the day to day like food space, you know, Starbucks is arguably like the most mass customizing retailer out there where every single order is made exactly to the users the customer's specifications right and they have like you know hundreds of thousands of iterations between uh you know type of milk type of foam how many shots of whatever flavor you know it's ridiculous how many combinations of product that you can come up with at starbucks
0: yeah but that's i mean i i still think of that as as being a little different than uh, than than mass customization
1: yeah
2: but you know what the thing that starbucks does not have the thing that starbucks does not have is is the curation element where like this has actually happened to me i've walked into a starbucks and i've said you have all these ingredients make me the closest thing you can possibly do to a thai ice coffee or a Vietnamese iced coffee, and yeah, they don't maybe, know how to do it. They just—they right. have no idea what what which of these things come together would do that.
1: Right? Well, there's right. an app. There is an app out there. Um, I don't know what it's called, but basically, it has a whole bunch of these secret Starbucks recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could, so have they they apparently have like a butter beer recipe that's from. Um, they can make something from the Harry Potter, um, like Chronicles, I guess, It's some some disgusting drink that tastes like butter and beer together, given the Starbucks like combinations. So. If you want a Thai iced tea, I bet the secret Starbucks menu app has a recipe for you that you can tell your barista. Um, it's like you know, three oh, shots oh. almond, two shots espresso, whatever, like heavy cream, et cetera. Huh? But yeah. cool. how do they price I, I, that? They they price it. You can do, you can actually try it on on the app. The app is the, one of the best ways to customize your drink, um, and they'll build it all. Pricing is dynamic, so. Um, yeah, I mean, food. Food is a whole, whole other. I guess, as yeah. I can understand, food. I like, mean, food, like, food. You think food. it's different, but it's not You're like the same advances that Hirsch was mentioning in terms of like process and you know automation kind of applies to food as well, right? Like, you, in order to have mass customization uh, yeah. to work, you need these things.
0: And right? I, I don't know. I mean, food food preparation has sort of always been fairly individual, yeah, fairly ma- and, and and mass. <laughs> And even even in even in like highly process driven places like you know fast food, right, like you know, McDonald's, for, right, used, and and used to like, be
1: difficult to kind of customize because exactly. All later
0: whereas eating. like that was actually a differentiator for Burger King for many years, which right. was the whole have it your way, yeah. you know, idea that they would they would customize your your whatever your fast burger, food burger yeah. Um, you know. But to me, that still feels different okay. than what. But people But sho- shoes,
1: of shoes, and shampoo are good. Um, sure, so, but. Cloth. Yeah. I mean, clothing in general seems to be like getting a lot of customization. That that's one
0: that really. I've I've definitely seen a lot of, and and you know I've been sort of like exploring that space a little little bit just because I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. Where I've been seeing more and more, it's very easy these days if you want to find like you know basically tailored t-shirts or, yep. or not shirts, tailored you know button-down shirts or, yep. or tailored clothing to exactly your size. Right. Like they're they're. Are, you know hundreds of sites out there now that will do that with all different levels of sophistication and at and, a good price but is, you know a, what yeah. the, that you price
2: know. factor there has not come from technology in that particular no, space that's it's just it's just sending the orders abroad to a place yes. where, where so, like so that cheaper. was
0: that was the point that I was going to raise which is how much of this is actually driven just by globalization right and the fact that it's now easy to you know connect the buyer in America with the you know Taylor in Thailand or
1: wherever it might right. be that, that they're but, you know yeah. actually and, doing and drop ship mm-hmm. it for really really cheap right.
0: exactly and the, and the 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 ability yes to ship stuff around the world at, at very cheap prices and and you know to use the internet to send the orders and, and all this stuff and you know take out all the middlemen expenses that historically would have made that you know too you know too cost prohibitive um but it, it's still an interesting process right no
2: i i think that's true i mean even even if it's completely labor intensive and there's no there's no robot involved in it at all I think it's still very interesting um, the connecting the consumer somewhere with with someone who's doing a manual process I think it becomes more interesting when we can sort of disintermediate the um, the sort of website owners in between right like these people are taking a huge cut like I recently got a custom suit and made I can't remember the name of the place but it was like some place called House of Bespoke or something like Mm that and And the price of the suit was like, it was pretty cheap. It was like they were having some kind of holiday sale and it was like under $500, Um, which used, by the way, you know, you go to Macy's, just a regular off the rack suit will cost about the same amount, right? So getting a custom made one for that is definitely a win. And I, I got the suit and the suit was great. And then a friend of mine told me like, hey, you know, if you go to Hong Kong or a place like this, you can get a custom suit for like $150, Yeah, right? And it'll be even better quality. And I was thinking about it and I was like, these guys, no doubt, are using some tailors abroad and they're taking that difference in the cost and they're pocketing it. And I don't don't mind paying more for a suit, but I'd rather go to the guy who's actually doing the tailoring, right? Like the, being the middleman in between running the website, I mean, this is like a really, you know, kind of probably the lowest skill in the whole thing, right? Like if these, if these tailors knew they could just open up Shopify storefronts, you know, and things well, like the, that. The I mean, they, they, is would, I, they would do a lot better for themselves.
0: So. I've started to see some of that actually, and and, and specifically in the suit space, um, I've actually seen a couple, mainly like crowdfunding projects that are basically exactly that 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 will sort of tie you directly to to a tailor somewhere in Asia. It's always in Asia um, who will make you suits for for. I've seen generally in the two hundred dollar range. Um, so you know there is some of that happening. It'll be interesting to see. I- I'm still curious, though, if you could, you know, could add more automation to the process as well. Um, or oh,
2: you always yeah, you always can. But 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 specifically tailoring has been for whatever reason resistant to automation, right? There's, there's entire uh, articles about this and research about sure. this uh, where, where people sort of trace the failed attempts to fully automate uh, even a simple th- article like t-shirt manufacturing, right? right. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's very difficult to get the cutting yeah. of cloth done right and the sewing of it uh, for whatever reason. It just doesn't We haven't really out.
1: even gotten into the other thing, which is like the whole 3D printing thing, right? So yeah. like, I, don't, I don't think... I've seen any kind of consumer, I think people, there have been lots of attempts. Has, has there been any like truly successful mass 3D printed product yet? Um,
2: yeah, actually, I was going to say, well, what do we consider mass? So I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you one thing that I've consumed uh, that's mass 3D printed is um, if you buy watches and like to change the straps, yeah. some watches like Casio, um, G Shocks, and things like that don't have a standard. Uh, Watch connectors, so people make these adapters that go on to specific Casio watches, so you can attach a standard watch strap to it and not just have to use the the you know proprietary um, Casio straps. And those connectors are three D printed in brass or, or 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 some kind of like ceramic or or plastic, and you can go to places like Shapeways and just order these pieces. And, sort of and they're priced slightly more than if you had designed the part yourself. So clearly a portion of it goes to shapeways but then another portion of it goes to the guy who designed the adapter for that particular right. model of watch so there is i think there is uh, a market there for that but i don't know if i would call it in a sense it's yeah it it does qualify as bespoke though i think yeah, yeah. yeah. Bespoke, you, sure.
0: i mean the, the I thing the bad. thing that i've definitely seen is like 3d printing is still really good for like prototyping and stuff and i've seen lots of you know, And again, this is just mainly going back to like crowdfunding projects and looking at them. You see a lot of them where they'll show up sort of a prototype that is 3D printed or has 3D printed components. And then part of the idea of, of doing a crowdfunding is in order to... To not make it 3D printed. To not make it 3D, make it 3D no, printed I, beca- I, because... I, yeah. Well, that's that's what I see all the time because it's still... Once you get to a certain scale, right. it's so still cheaper. Is, is, is yeah, it, it's cheaper, for sure. And, and also just the speed. I mean, 3D printing is still really, really steep slow yeah so so the aircraft that we make
2: at zipline right we use a, a huge number of 3d parts there mm-hmm. and and you know uh, we're at a scale now where there's some of them where we could f- for sure sort of just convert them over to doing kind of uh you know mold plastic and absorb right. sort of fixed costs in making those molds but i'll tell you there's an advantage to to having 3d printing even in a mass market pro even in a you know uh, a product that you're making several thousand copies of, and the advantage there is that you can rev the product easier yeah like you can make slight changes here and there um you can make localization changes and those kinds of things um it turns out even for like sort of mass-produced products might be useful maybe not for every part of the product sure uh but but you know you, you guys should keep in mind that um the latest uh, Boeing, which one is it? The Boeing... 777? Uh, seven, seven, seven? Yeah, not the 777, seven, the one after. The 787? Seven, seven, eight, eight, seven? Seven? Seven, it seven, has 3D printed parts in the wings and stuff like that, right? Hmm. And, and the reason that they do that, even though it's Boeing and you're making these you know, several hundred million dollar planes, why are they doing that? Well, it turns out that uh, 3D printing, in some cases, is better than other methods, even when you have access to other methods, because it can print certain sh- shapes, and, right. and and that aren't necessarily possible with uh, molding. And they can build internal structures essentially when or they're machining.
1: Like... Well, it's kinda of like machining used to be. Like machining was is a definite like was was a great process to make custom parts. three um, D printing is just kind of the opposite, right? Instead of like an, an a subtractive process, it's an additive mm-hmm. one. Right, right. Um, and they're so, both but, very custom, right? So Yeah,
2: but you can't machine the internals of a of a wing spar, right? But you can three D print it so that it has a lattice structure on inside. Right, like, so those are the, some of the things you can have with
1: 3D printing. And right? vice versa, there are some things you can probably machine that, you, that are more no, difficult no, yeah, to exactly. 3D print, right? So, yeah. um, I don't know, but like in terms of mass, like I think Adidas is coming out with a, a truly 3D printed shoe that will be for the, like, for, like, instead of mass producing it. And it does have some of the structures that you were talking about, there's like a lattice structure in but, the sole. Will it,
0: will it also be customizable?
1: Um, I don't. I mean, I would hope so, right? Like, why would why bother three D printing it if it's not cheaper? If it's not, well, I guess it's a three hundred thirty three dollars show. Uh, shoot. <laughs> um, it um, looks cool though. Um, I'd love to try it. I mean, it looks it looks pretty awesome. You know, one of the think, I
0: don't think I could convince myself to spend that much on a shoe. But but I mean, I, it would be cool if you could then add in the customization and, and if all the only difference is just, you know, the digital aspect yeah. of it, then
2: it So just, I it could shouldn't...
1: write like left and right on the, inside <laughs>
2: yes. of the So <laughs> almost all the major shoe manufacturers have a portal now where you can go and do customizations. Like certainly yeah. Nike, all like their Nike Nike has right. their
1: Ni- their Nike ID, yep. you can customize yep. everything now, so and um, if, you, if you go to the Vans
2: page, you can actually uh, – um, so Nike gives you a certain set of colors you can do for, like, each part of the shoe. With Vans, you can actually upload a JPEG, and they mm-hmm. will actually print the JPEG. Right. Uh, or, on their uh, classic shoe. On, yeah, right. on their shoe. And, and you essentially can put any artwork yep. you want, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, there's a question, though. Does anyone know how they're actually producing those?
2: Like yeah, that's a good point. I think I think it's kind of like you do T-shirts, right? Where they just yeah. have the canvas upper probably comes out as a solid square piece of fabric, and they just print the art on it, and, and then they, and then they cut the pattern of the shoe out of it, and then they it just goes through the regular
0: process. And then then you just have some sort of logistics that will follow through the process so that the, the right yeah. the right design goes to the right person. Yep. So again, it's sort of there is a, there is at least some aspect of the, the technological logistics part that, that makes that possible. Um, yep. But certainly, you know, part of that, too, is just the fact that the the screen printing technology necessary to do that has gotten much better, right? I mean, right. Y- and you even see this in, in things like, you know, the, the, just the t shirt space, you know, historically, you had the sites like Cafe Press and, and Zazzle, right, that where you could do, you know, custom orders, but they actually tended to be really expensive, unless you got into really large numbers, just because the, you know, the fixed costs of printing one shirt, uh, is fairly expensive. Uh, you know, the marginal cost of getting that second shirt after you do the first was, was much, much lower. Um, but these days, like the printing technology has gotten good enough that even doing one-offs can be done really, really cheaply.
2: Yeah. I, it's a fundamentally different process, right? Like you said before, I think it was a screen process. Yeah. Now I think it might be more akin to sort of an inkjet printer or yeah. something like that, where you just kind of actually have, and you're just printing each one somehow,
0: right? You just need to have the right digital file line up, and and then everything yep. is fine. You don't have to do the the sort of you know heavy upfront cost of of doing you know setting up a screen or whatever.
2: I'm actually curious if um, what the 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 cost differential is now between doing a mass run shirt versus these one-off shirts. At a certain point, like, it probably converges, right? Um, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, and I don't I don't know for sure the details here, but, like, you know, we use Teespring to do T-shirts for TechTurt all the time. Um, and that's been interesting. And they've sort of changed their models in the basically year or year and a half that we've been using them, um, where it used to be, like, you would get sort of, um, you know, if – you would have to hit a certain threshold before you could print the shirts. Um, so you would need to get like ten or fifteen or you know twenty people to actually buy a shirt before it would officially yeah. you know, tip. Um, they changed that now. It's just like you know one shirt and, and the project is so is basically they.
1: They've like operationalized and made it super cheap to kind of set up those, and they, they do like high quality like screens, or they're yep. doing like the, the well, the, it's the print on demand stuff. It's
0: it's print on demand, but it's, it is really high quality. I mean, it's it's you know, um, you know, we we've certainly been very happy with the quality of, of the shirts. I, I don't want to make this into an advertisement <laughs> just for for shirts, which are wonderful. You can check them out and get them at Teespring, but uh, yeah, um, you know, it's. You know, and and they sort of changed the model. It used to be basically like you know, as you got into higher and higher numbers of a particular shirt within a particular time frame, you know, the margin that you would get on those shirts would would, would increase pretty right. dramatically. And then they they've since changed the model, where now like you definitely do get a benefit to selling a lot of shirts, but like the the shift is a lot less dramatic it starts you you know the lower
1: end now to me the unit cost that, is actually the it's, the it's the same for them probably like, yeah just, so it's, it's kind more of like i'm making a deal right like if, if you buy a lot We'll make use right
0: anymore. exactly as opposed to you know, having to do so for the economies of scale aspect of it right um, and so the model there has changed and it's been really interesting it's allowed us to do some different things so then, know, like, then
1: it sounds like we're kind of there right like we're, we're at that mass customization point where well, we for, no longer for, need for, for t-shirts, some products yeah. yeah
0: for some products you know but it, to me like there's an aspect of it and I think you know you guys are right that like you know with shoes and shirts and, and clothing and all that kind of stuff it's there yeah. it, it doesn't quite feel like it's there for a lot of other products yet and so I'm kind of wondering you know, like I'm, frying pans, or I don't know, like what—that's <laughs> a kind well, of random example. Well, let, but let, sure, let, let, let's
2: talk about some of the other things, right? Like I think there's yeah, some like places, else? in some places, the customization has actually gone backwards. I think, well, as as Dennis mentioned earlier on. You know, we used to buy computers from Dell where they were sort of customized to a yep. T, right? Like we would say we want exactly this board, this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Now we've kind of gone backwards. When you go into the Mac store and you go to buy a Mac, there's like there's like three that's, models. That's
0: right? that's for Mac, right? But yeah. like, I mean, for for other stuff, you know, I I always buy ThinkPads, and I still have the ability to customize every you know every last bit of it.
2: it it's still I feel a lot less than what we had, right? Like I think you like. I think people forget how much customization we had. We sure. used to choose between like 20 different sound cards. And but like, there also you know, might like,
1: be like, like kind of something that, that Mike alluded to in the beginning, which is not everybody wants to do that, true. right? Yeah. So yeah. I think the Apple product line of good, better, best probably suits 90% no, of the customers.
2: I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, that I mean, like right.
1: yeah. I, I definitely customized my MacBook additionally, like past their good, better, best. Um, which then meant that instead of getting my laptop the next day, I had to wait for like three, like two or three weeks to get it, which, which is horrible. Right. So and I was like, really? <laughs> oh, so, the,
0: oh, the pain. Right. I'm like. <laughs> the suffering that you, know. you take on. I you know, know you,
2: you know what I thought was really cool uh, customization, just as an aside uh, in a computing product is if you buy um, certain phones, you now can get like this custom shell that they, they essentially print for you and. It yeah, comes with the phone, and you can yeah. Uh, the way Google does is, it is you can just like choose uh, an area of the map that's significant to you, of like the world map, and they'll print a, like a Google Maps picture that comes on your phone, and then yeah. the sc- and then the the um the background on the phone itself, the digital background, will match the map. So you kind of have this like scrolling background, and then the case for the phone that match, which is pretty cool. Um, and then some of the other companies have gone even beyond that. Like I think uh, Motorola will, you know. Uh, print you like custom material um shells for your phones and things like that as well which is pretty i mean
1: actually related to that did you see uh, like like maybe a few weeks ago there was some vendor on amazon that had essentially flooded the entire iphone case market with like print on demand uh iphone cases of all ridiculous sorts um <laughs> they're, they're of, like, so... just random pictures like just you mean like just
2: random uh uh, uh Public domain images. Of yeah, like, some and think. and some
1: not so public, like like maybe like <laughs> not safe work. Yeah, there was one. There was a, not. There was an infringing ones. There was. Some, I mean, definitely not appropriate ones. Like there was a right. heroin spoon and syringe cell phone cover. There was. A, let's see here. Wait. So it actually would label them correctly. Yeah, yeah, so it, 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 no, because it so, knows. It know, It knows. Basically, somehow someone you know took a bunch of these public domain images. Um, and just created a whole it was it was under the, all, the the manufacturer called My Handy Design. So I'm looking here. Hmm. There's one that's an like adult diaper worn by an old man with crutch <laughs> oh cell phone cover case. <laughs> um toenail fungus cell phone cover case. Uh, old ma- old woman asthma so and the, the, the real the real question
0: is, is it, would anyone buy any of these things? I mean and the cell phone Does it phone? I mean
1: it's available. <laughs> yeah, I know, I
0: mean that's and that's interesting in its own right. But like the cell phone case market is really interesting because like You know, I've definitely seen this over the years where um, like, you know, and just recently I got a new cell phone and, um, you know, and I just was searching for cases. And pretty quickly after that phone was released, like one by one, you just see like you know, design after design after design just pop up. And a lot of them, I think, are 3D printed or, or just, you know, people yeah. coming up with a really quick solution um, and, and then selling them for really cheap. It's not quite, you know, mass customization because, you know, most of those... It's more
1: print-on-demand, I would
0: say. Yeah. Is that,
1: is that real mass customization? Is print-on-demand the same yeah. thing? Well, you know,
2: speaking of print-on-demand, right, like we, if you think about... The number of books that are printed and then just are never read by anyone, they're just shredded because they can't find buyers. Right. It's pretty sad, right? It's a waste of trees. If a long time ago someone was saying, you know, hey, what Amazon should do is just set up these back office giant high quality printers and then just print exactly the books that people order, right? And then, then dispatch the payment to the publishers. And I don't, I don't think that ever worked out because they couldn't make a deal with the publishers to, you know, have the publishers uh, i mean they do the some version.
0: of that right they do have print on demand they do print on demand for their own books
2: but i don't think they do it for like other publishers yeah. maybe they do they, now
0: i i forget I, I yeah i don't remember exactly if they do or so, not
2: but you know that kind of thing is it, it but totally the thing is too
0: like imagine imagine taking that a step further right i mean imagine if if they did that with actual customization right not just print the book but like print customizable books, right? And so you could, you know, combine different books or, you know. Make
1: a textbook, for example. Make a textbook,
0: (laughs) yes. You know, you could do, like, You know, but you can't take. I want chapters one to three of this book Why and four not? to no, nine. No, of this. it doesn't you, make but sense. But you could, but right? I mean, think, what is a course? What is a course packet? Yeah, right? I mean, that's packet. exactly what a course packet was. Yeah, that's true. You know, with, with crazy, you know, crazy expenses
1: involved. In expenses and packets. copyrights but and yes, and, that's a whole, other, whole other issue. Yeah.
0: but like, but imagine you could do other things to to customize. I mean, maybe somebody you know wants a book in in blue and you know i don't know what, what it might be but um. actually
2: the fact that we've been talking about physical books is already sort of you know, <laughs> true I true i mean true. we should
1: just be using kindles like it's kind of it's kind of weird to but they're just not as these... nice anyway I, I i love i mean i actually i i got a recent print on demand book and it's really not as nice as the not printed on demand book why uh, it's just like the letter quality is it's not as nice it doesn't uh, yeah, look as good i believe that i believe um, that. yeah and i and i kind of look you look at it and it just doesn't feel as good if it if i didn't notice i wouldn't care mm-hmm. obviously right um right. but the but the previous you know whatever process that they use to print the particular book that i'm reading right now is really really not making me happy yeah
0: <laughs> and, I, and i think that makes sense but i guess i i guess the thing that i i feel like there's you know even if we have mass customization in some areas it still feels fairly limited and narrow to me like i, I think you know it would be even cooler if you could you know, going back to like the shoe example which is what we started with like instead of just being able to to customize, like, you know, your Converse or whatever. Like, what if you could pull different pieces from different shoes, right? So you could have a sole right. from Nike and a, the upper from Adidas or, you know, whatever it might be. No, man. But why that... do you even need to brand it? What I mean, are you so... supposed to do? The,
2: the sole supposed to go from Nike and somehow be aggregated in a factory with Adidas? Or are you saying that one person
1: has the right to
2: print uh, I, I... all these different components?
0: I don't know.
1: I'm just or, saying. Or, like, or you like... have the start. I mean, this is where we get the, the Star Trek. Um, whatever that Right, that replicator, replicator, where it just builds it. Right. I mean,
0: but that's, you know, and that's that's the promise that some people are saying about 3D printers, which is, like, you'll, you won't ever order these products anymore. You'll order the different pieces, yeah. and then you'll just print so them I want, yourself. I want,
1: like, a Reebok pump with a Nike Air Max sole. Right. Um, no, but assembly...
2: And, no, assembly is still a, a complaint. I, sure, I don't yes, think
1: yes. And we're yes. nowhere close but the, to that.
0: But. But, but, but that's the question, is, like, are we going to get to that point? I mean, there are obviously lots of IP issues involved in making that kind of thing possible but it's certainly something that 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 feels to me more like you know the like, exciting like future as opposed to like roll. right as opposed to just like putting left and right on your your left we can and right make our shoes. we
1: can make our own collabs So quick
0: question that just occurred to me dennis did yeah. you put left and right on the proper shoe or did you put them on the wrong i, ones? I thought
1: about doing the wrong ones <laughs> but i thought that would be probably confusing to myself
2: <laughs> so, you know speaking of the ip issues associated
1: with yeah. spoke things
2: Someone was telling me recently about this issue that came up, and he uh, is a small hardware manufacturer. I'm not going to out him by saying what product it is, but um, so he was he was manufacturing a particular product, and a, a component that needed to go in that product was a particular uh, uh, um, uh, a plastic piece that needed to be molded, right? Uh-huh. So he found a vendor in China to make this particular plastic piece, right? And um, then he got the pieces made by the vendor, and then maybe some months later, another vendor contacted him and said, hey, somebody's listing a p- part sure. of your product for sale on Alibaba. And he goes and he looks there and he's like, sure enough, the vendor that he had worked with has his component up for sale as you know, so-and-so part of, um, which can be used for manufacture of so-and-so type of smartphone, right, or whatever. Right. And, uh, and he's like, what For he was surprised on two things, one was that like, "Hey, I made this like custom smartphone. Why would this part ever be useful to anybody else? It's just completely useless unless you're making exactly the smartphone that's one thing and then the second thing is like it's clearly my i p and it's not surprising that this like manufacturer is like taking my design and selling it, but it certainly so shows something about the fact that like once everything is just being 3 d manufactured right. Yeah, uh, and it's just files floating everywhere. Um, it certainly changes the incentive market for designs. It, 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 sure. the, the incentives are going to have to be built in different ways. Right now, designers who work on different products are sort of aggregated into a building, and this building is called the Nike building. It's full of Nike designers. And then here's another building, and these are the Adidas designers. In the future, if we disaggregate everything, uh you know these designers might be just making these parts and putting them out there and essentially looking for patreon funding or something like that right well you
0: can i mean you know you can already see a lot of that kind of stuff um you know alibaba like you can find all sorts of stuff that that are clearly factories making for a particular product and then selling the same pieces on the side you know i've i've kind of I've spent a lot of time sort of surfing different aspects of Alibaba and you can find all different kinds of things, some of which, you know, it, it's a question of whether or not you count them as counterfeit or gray market or, or whatever, but that's, that's now definitely kind of a, a, a standard process. You can find all sorts of really interesting things and it's, you know, again, that goes back to this whole process of being able to connect the marketplace to, to, to buyers in, in ways that, that, that weren't done before but then you have this sort of excess production and an ability to then you know try and find a new market for those same products Um, and and that's that's interesting to me but that's that i still think that's a little bit of a different area yeah okay (laughs) well Well, i I didn't have any (laughs) (laughs) follow-up yes Yes. OK, yeah. we, we, we agree. Um, but but, you know, overall, I, 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 I do think it's an interesting space. I think that, you know, some elements of what we thought were were, were going to happen 17 years ago, Dennis, when you first wrote about it. You know, I think that certainly developed. I don't think I don't feel like it's become this sort of revolutionary concept that people talked about. Um, but I still think it has potential to become to become something more and to be able to do much more you know you know serious customization on on all sorts of products i mean i still feel like there are tons of products that you know where there is no customization really available so like I mean, like a microwave oven or something, just thinking randomly, like, yeah,
1: you know, or my frying pan, or
0: like, I guess,
2: why do you want it to be customized, though? I mean, those don't seem like maybe, maybe maybe you don't know that you want it to be
1: customized.
0: I mean, so, so like microwave, right? Like, maybe you want a custom size, right? You want a a size that will fit perfectly within the the kitchen that you have or the kitchen that you've designed, right? You want to do certain things, and maybe, you know, like, like we just replaced our microwave because it. Our old one died, and it had some nice features about, like, you know, to make it really easy, you push this button and that button, and, there, and, and it may, has all may, the, these maybe pre-settings.
1: You want the doors open from the left instead of the right, Right, which none of them do. So.
0: Right, and so the, there were all sorts of things that, you know, when we went shopping for a new microwave, we were actually fairly limited because... You know, we couldn't find one that was the right size that had this, the features that we wanted. But if, if I could have gone online and said, here's the size of the space that we have, these are the three features that we want, or even being able to, like, lay out the panel or something like that. Um, yeah. Like, that would have been cool. Um, but, you know, we're nowhere near
1: that kind of level. Maybe of you thing. want a combination convection and microwave and, like, a steam oven thrown all the one. Who knows? Is sure. possible? That, that yeah. sounds
2: like an engineering problem. Why
1: not? <laughs>
0: We did look at the, the at a combo yeah, microwave, see. and I forget what it was. Yes, Hirsch, they, they exist. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Why not make it a microwave oven and dishwasher?
1: So then you just, like, eat, and then you put the dishes right back in the microwave. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, I use this. Yeah, we sterilize stuff in the microwave right that anyway. So not a bad idea, Hirsch. See? With your customized microwave, you can have that.
0: Yeah, put it on Kickstarter. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, that's our mass customization right now. It's like, kickstart it, 3D print it, and then get it made in China. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, unless either of you have any serious uh additional statements on mass customization, I think we're I think we're about done with this one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And if anyone wants my my shoes are going in the donation pile. I I guess maybe I won't. Your
0: customatics, your left and right shoes. So if you happen to see shoes (laughs) at the
1: goodwill and they say left and right on them and they're red patent leather. Those are my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are Dennis's Customatic shoes. Go
0: find them uh, and send us a picture. All right. All right. Adios. G- guys, thanks Thanks so much for joining us. Everyone who's listening, thanks so much for, for listening in. Again, uh, share the podcast, review it, let people know about it. Uh, give us feedback, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, come back next week. We'll have something else.
1: Thanks. Bye. Wanna get no huh, to so grab a shovel and dig up the ta-